continents never before seen by the eyes of man, or at least, Crozier thinks, in this northern Arctic, by the eyes of white men. Crozier and his friend and then commander James Ross had found just such a previously undiscovered continent, Antarctica, less than five years earlier. They named the sea, inlets, and landmass after Ross. They named mountains after their sponsors and friends. They named the two volcanoes they could see on the horizon after their two ships, these same two ships, calling the smoking mountains Erebus and Terra. Crozier was surprised they hadn't named some major piece of geography after the ship's cat. They named nothing after him. There is on this October winter's dark day evening in 1847 no Arctic or Antarctic continent, island, bay, inlet, range of mountains, ice shelf, volcano, or fucking Floberg, which bears the name of Francis Rawdon Moira Crozier. Crozier doesn't give the slightest goddamn. Even as he thinks this, he realizes that he's a little bit drunk. Well, he thinks, automatically adjusting his balance to the icy deck now canted twelve degrees to starboard and down eight degrees by the bow. I've been drunk more often than not now for three years, haven't I? Drunk ever since Sophia. But I'm still a better sailor and captain drunk than that poor unlucky bastard Franklin ever was sober. Or his rosy-cheeked, lisping pet poodle Fitzjames, for that matter. Crozier shakes his head and walks down the icy deck forward to the bow and toward the only man on watch he can make out in the flickering light from the aurora. It is short, rat-faced Cornelius Hickey, Kulka's mate. The men look all the same out here on watch in the dark, since they're all issued the same cold-weather slops, layers of flannel and wool covered with a heavy waterproof greatcoat, bulbous mittens protruding from voluminous sleeves, their Welsh wigs, heavy watch caps with floppy ears, pulled tight, often with long comforters, scarves, wrapped around their heads, until only the tips of their frost-bitten noses are visible. But each man layers or wears his cold-weather slops slightly differently, adding a comforter from home, perhaps, or an extra Welsh wig tugged down over the first, or perhaps colourful gloves, lovingly knit by a mother or wife or sweetheart, peeking out from underneath the Royal Navy outer mittens, and Crozier has learned to tell all fifty-nine of his surviving officers and men apart, even at a distance outside and in the dark. Hickey is staring fixedly out, beyond the icicle-sheathed bowsprit, the foremost ten feet of which are now embedded in a ridge of sea ice, as HMS Terror's stern has been forced up by the ice pressure and the bow is pushed lower. Hickey is so lost in thought, or cold, that the caulker's mate doesn't notice his captain's approach until Crozier joins him at the railing that has become an altar of ice and snow. The lookout's shotgun is propped against that altar, no man wants to touch metal out here in the cold, not even through mittens. Hickey starts slightly as Crozier leans close to him at the railing. Terror's captain can't see the twenty-six-year-old's face, but a puff of his breath instantly turning into a cloud of ice crystals reflecting the aurora appears beneath the thick circle of the smaller man's multiple comforters and Welsh wig. Men traditionally don't salute during the winter in the ice. Not even the casual knuckling of the forehead an officer receives at sea, but the thick-clad hickey does that odd little shuffle and shrug and head dip, by which the men acknowledge their captain's presence while outside. Because of the cold, the watches have been cut down from four hours to two. 
God knows, thinks Crozier. We have enough men for that on this overcrowded ship, even with the lookouts doubled, and he can tell just by Hickey's slow movements that he's half frozen. As many times as he's told the lookouts that they have to keep moving on deck, walk, run in place, jump up and down if they have to, all the while keeping their attention on the ice, they still tend to stand immobile for the majority of their watch, just as if they were in the South Seas wearing their tropical cotton and watching for mermaids. Captain, Mr. Hickey, anything? Nothing since them shots, that one shot, almost two hours ago, sir. Just a while ago I heard, I think I heard, maybe a scream? Something, Captain, from out beyond the ice mountain. I reported it to Lieutenant Irving, but he said it was probably just the ice, acting up. Crozier had been told about the sound of the shot from the direction of Erebus, and had quickly come up on deck two hours ago, but there'd been no repetition of the sound and he'd sent no...